0: Welcome to the Best of MBS Podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay Stanier, bestselling author of The Coaching Abbot* and How to Begin. Today's interview is from the We Will Get Through This Podcast. Here's your host, MBS.
1: So some years ago, I was wandering up my street, St. Fowles Avenue here in Toronto, where I live, but I wandered into my library, and we have a great little branch library here in in my neighborhood, and Toronto is a wonderful public library. And one of the reasons I go into the library is so I can wander the shelves and I can let serendipity happen. So that's where a a book waves at you and goes, hey, notice me. And it's not a book I would have found by searching online or nobody's mentioned it. It's just there's something about the book that grabs me. And in this moment, a book left off the shelf and went, Michael, me, notice me. And this book was called The Chairs Are Where the People Go. And as a facilitator and somebody who cares about group dynamics, I'm like, well, that's interesting. What is this about? So I took it home and I read it and it was a terrific book. So I looked up the author because I'm always nosy as to who writes these things. And it's a guy called Misha Globerman. I'm like, okay, that's an unusual name. I wonder who this person is. Turns out Misha is not only Toronto-based, he is neighborhood-based. He lives around the corner from me. So we got in touch, we started hanging out, we have coffees, we have teas, we go for walks together and so when the moment came to run this podcast, you know, we will get through this. I was like, Misha is perfect because Misha runs a program called How to Talk to People About Things and ever there is a moment for going, I need to know how to talk to people about things, it might just be this moment. So let me introduce Mitchell a little more formally. He is a faculty director at the Ivy Academy, which is the executive education program at the Ivy Business School here in Toronto. He hosts the Trampling Hall Lectures, which are a quirky Toronto barroom lecture series, which are a fabulous energy, fabulous speakers. It's like TED if it had a punk spirit. Um, and of course, as I said before, he's authored with Sheila Haiti this book, The Chairs of Where the People Go, which. I will just say The New Yorker. None less than The New Yorker. Named as one of its top nonfiction books of that year. So, he is great. You will love him. I'm happy he is here. So, Misha, welcome. Hey, oh
0: Michael, it's so great to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy to be talking to you about things. So, that's perfect. perfect. Um, I joke that you have heard eight bazillion times before in your life. No doubt. <laughs> but I never tire of it. <laughs> that's all right. So... I think built into the, a a course called how to talk to people about things is some sort of understanding that it's actually tricky at times to talk to people about things. So start us there. Why is it hard to have conversations that would seemingly
0: seem to be relatively straightforward? It's hard. I mean, it's hard. It's hard for all kinds of reasons. I think, um, it's interesting because I don't think about why it's hard. I think about a lot about how to make it easier. Mom. but when I think about why it's hard, I suspect a big reason is that we're kind of stuck in our own heads. Like any situation of any complexity, you know, between you and me is going to be a situation where to solve it, you really need to kind of step on side of my individual perspective and yours to be my solvent. Right. That's not, But that's not what we're like, right? Like we uh, we are we're spectacularly kind of stuck inside our own viewpoint. That's like, yeah, sure, you know well, and we, you know, we kind of, think of our own opinions as facts. And we think of our own perspective as reality. And, um, and the other person we're talking to has this completely different reality that we're looking at, but we never, even though we intellectually know that we somehow always just, they go, you know, this one time it's really, things are just the way I see. So I think that's a big part of it that we're both sort of looking at. There's a nice, I forget there's a neuroscientist has a description on whichever they love, which is that like, we think we're looking at the world, but we're really looking at as a model inside of our heads. Yeah. And each of us is looking at the model, and and our models are different, but we think we're both looking at the world, and that leads to all kinds of confusion.
1: Yeah, it is so convincing that our point of view is reality. Yeah. And, I mean, so persuasive and just so invested in that being true because it actually gets way more complicated as soon as you start going, wait. Maybe everything that I see and believe and interpret isn't the whole truth or even some of the truth or maybe any of the truth. It's just kind of how I show up around that. You know, it reminds me of that insight, I think, from neuroscience, or maybe it's a cognitive bias or maybe they're the same. When When you analyze people's motives for doing things, and how right. you're always forgiving of why you didn't follow through on the perspective. It's like, no, it's an extraordinary situation and this came up and, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, I, I will forgive myself. Um, whereas when somebody else does it, you're like, and that's because they're a bad person. They're just a bad, unfeeling, careless, horrible person. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the, that's an example of that difference playing out.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's something it's called fundamental attribution error is what that is. And yeah, it's exactly, it's that phenomenon in psychology, really well documented, yeah, absolutely. I cut someone off in traffic because I'm in a rush. The other person cuts me off in traffic because they're out there I'm a jerk. Yeah. So it
1: feels that part of the formula, when you say how to talk to other people about things, there's you, the other person, and the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're probably all worth taking a look at. So to help make this easier, where do we start? Do we start with the things? Do we start with yourself or do we start with the other person?
0: I always think you got to start with yourself. And it's a huge thing. I mean, that's the, I, you probably know this in your coaching. Do everything I say, I'm like, well, you probably know this in your work too. It probably comes up a lot. It's that? Is that it's really easy for people to look at a situation and say, oh man, this con- these conversations are not going well. Clearly, what needs to change is the other person needs to do something different. <laughs> Clearly, what needs to change is the only reality worth the way it is. But The problem is that those aren't actually things that you can change. What you can change is yourself. Uh, so, in the in the when I do training and coaching, to, you know, consulting, what I really try to do is avoid that um, that strong pull to think, "Oh, I know what the solution is." The solution mm-hmm. is for them to be different. <laughs> so, you really want to focus on you. Is there
1: is there a way of of becoming better able to resist that rush to oh I know what I know how they need to change to fix this I mean I I I mean even with somebody who knows a bit about this like I do I still notice it myself all the time particularly with
0: people who I'm close to like my wife ah oh, so 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 hard <laughs> no the people we're worst with are the people we love the most and we care the most. And I think all of that. I think a big part of it is self awareness. A big part of it is knowing, yeah. acknowledging that you're imperfect at this stuff. A lot when I when I do the workshops, increasingly a lot of what I do and is when I work with you. But and this is, becomes increasingly clear, sorry, increasingly important with people who are more accomplished and more senior and more. Yeah, um, is, is to is to really give them some space to acknowledge the fact that we're all, we all mess this up. I mean, I mess this up. I, I literally think about like nothing but this, like, you know, 40 hours a week for 15 years and still every day I get it wrong. And, and I think actually knowing that is, is a tremendously important first step. So part right. of it is not, I think the big mistake is thinking that you're gonna, that you can, you know, that you're gonna get it right all the time. So knowing, knowing what the mistakes are that you're gonna make, is I think is, is a, is at least a step towards being able to avoid. So. Are there, this may not be a question that
1: works, but I'm just wondering if there are maybe one or two rookie mistakes or rookie patterns of behavior that you notice in yourself that you're like, here here are two things to look out for because they're almost certainly going to occur.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, I'll give you one, I'll give you a couple and give you a couple that are sort of mental and a couple that are sort of behavioral. Is that cool? Yeah, that's great. So the mental mistakes are, um, basically the mental mistake that we make, it, it almost always boils down to the same mental mistake. The mental mistake that we make is we think, I know what's going on here. I know the whole story and I know what the solution is. Right. That mental mistake, um, and, and, and the flip side is, you know, that other person is wrong and I'm right. And, you know, they don't need to solve the problem. I can solve it myself. All of that. That picture. When you say to people, is that how you want to be? Everyone understands, like, of course, I shouldn't be like that. If right. you ask people about an individual situation that's stressful for them, they almost always describe it in those terms. Mm-hmm. So to avoid that mental mistake to say, you know what, this situation is so important to me that I care so much about, it's such a big deal for me. There are parts, there are going to be parts of it that I don't know. There's parts of that situation that the other person knows about that I need to find out. That if you can get out of that mental mistake, the mental mistake of thinking that you know the whole story and that your solution is going to be the best solution, Right. if you can get out of that mental mistake, that's huge. So. There's that mental mistake. Um, then there's behavioral things you can do to help you get out of that. Well, before before you go there,
1: I'm just going to sit with this for a moment to go, you know, <laughs> whatever's happening, I don't really know what's going on, <laughs> and just going, it's 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 both remarkably empowering, whilst also somehow being humbling at the same time. Yeah, around that, it's you've got this freedom to go, you have permission, just not
0: to know what the hell is going on. No, absolutely, and part of it too is that if you can get into that mode, one of the things that I have people watch for when I when I help people, when I coach people or teach people this in their class is actually pay attention in your own situation to how you feel in your body. So like one thing that I that I notice in myself is that like when I get into that mental state of like that sort of I'm in charge here, I know everything mental state, my body feels tense, my muscles are tense, my jaw is clenched, I'm, I, I, feel, I feel myself exercising exertion, even when I'm not, even if I'm not physically doing anything. Right. But if I, but if I'm able to say, okay, you know what? This situation is hard, but we don't know where it's going to go. We're going to solve it together. I have to stay, I have to remain curious, I have to remain open. I hope body feels different. And I don't feel like I'm, um, like lifting a heavy rock up a hill. Yeah. So part of it is you're right. It can be, it's, it's hard to get there, but paradoxically, if you can do it, it also feels, it also, it's also easy.
1: And one of the things that I've um worked with myself and sometimes try and teach other people as well is to go here's a here's a useful insight for you. Your body leads your brain. Yeah. So if you start noticing the different physical state between I'm tense because I feel I should or I have to know it all and I'm more open and relaxed because I'm just accepting that I, I'm I'm I at best know a part of what's going on here. And then you go, so get your body into whatever that physical state is of the latter piece and your body will then tell your brain, oh, you know, you're in, you're in the place of kind of relaxed openness and curiosity. So that's perfect. Yeah. And, and have that physical state lead the mental state that you're hoping to be
0: in. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So I'm
1: getting the mental model. I'm seeing that whole piece around. You have permission because it's the truth <laughs> you know you don't really know what's going on and so you're allowed to be curious about it and you're allowed to let go the responsibility and the anxiety of feeling that you do know exactly what's needed and what's going on
0: yeah where do, where do i go from here well there's a few things i mean I, there's so much but i guess i'm thinking okay, i guess what, what i'm inclined to do is then move from the sort of mental part to the behavioral part to figure out like what are some like kind of actionable tips or whatever mm-hmm. um and i guess so, and there's a couple of things one is just to prepare and preparing, one of the things I do a lot in the teaching I do is really think about how to prepare. And and preparing, I think the way that 99% of people will prepare to over their own devices is going to send you down the wrong path. So I think most of us, the way we prepare, is we sort of ruminate. We say, okay, yeah, I'm going to tell them this and, this and this and this and this and this. And if they say that, I'll say this back. And here's how I'm going to get my way. Oh. And here's my strategies. You know, I've had so many of these highly dramatic.
1: Conversations in my head, where I end up by plunging my rapier like wit through that evil black Yeah, exactly. Man, Laura, you a
0: and this is the, this out of victory that has always been mine in a way. <laughs> that's, that's never been helpful. It never worked. Exactly, and it's, and it's and again that's that picture, like that fantasy where you're gonna win. You know, I'd be like, all right, that's fine. And so one, so one of the things we do a lot to prepare is to think about like to have to before you go in, think about things like like what don't I know? Yeah. What are some things that I, what are some things that I might want to find out from long? Um, th- and another, and that's a huge one. Another thing is to think about, when you think about your goals, trying to think about kind of the biggest picture goals. So so for instance, you might have a, a stressful situation with a coworker and you think you know exactly the way to solve the problem. And so you might go in and try to push for that solution. But what you want to do is step back and look at the bigger picture and say, no, what you really want is to resolve the issue with the coworker. And so you kind of want to set a goal for yourself and you do the preparation that lets you be open and Oops. take some time to think about what your goal, to really think about what your goals are. And also very often you think your goals are, and part of why you can do that is shit when you get in, right? So you say, oh, my goal is to collaboratively solve this problem together. But then five minutes in, what I realized is what I'm actually trying to do is, you know, make them feel like an idiot. Well, if I wrote down the goal before, it decreases my chances. Yeah. Of making that shit. So taking some time to do that prep, but actually writing the things down.
1: That's nice. That's really nice, Misha. You know, where that takes me is, uh, one of the tools that I've sometimes taught in programs is the 3P tool. The 3P says, any conversation can have three points of focus to it. Mm -hmm. Um, project, people, patterns. Right. And so to break that down, project is like the, the thing itself, the thing we're working on. Yeah. People is obviously the relationship with the, the other people in the ecosystem, in the conversation. Yeah, and the patterns are your own behavior, the own kind of ways you keep repeating yourself. Yep. And where I go with this is when you go, "Hey, Michael, have a goal, but have think think more broadly and more systematically and more generously about what your goals might be." Yeah. And I'm like, "Okay, I can have a goal about a specific project outcome I want from this. You know, I want the report. I want this thing to be done or not done. I want." A change in direction on this decision, but then there's also a, uh, and I want this relationship to be enhanced. I want to co-create something. I, I, I want to assert myself as somebody who has a light in the sand. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can frame that. It's not just about being liked or nice. Yeah. Um, And then there's a pattern which is like, I don't, I want to not back down on the first go. Yep. Or I do want to back down. Or I want to be, I want to come off graciously, or generously, or sympathetically, whatever. I mean, it, it's like find your own language and your own need for who you are and what the conversation's about. But knowing that you could have at least three different areas to have these goals in might be yeah. helpful.
0: yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And then on the, on the subject of goals, yeah, and that 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 idea of thinking it's funny. All the, I feel so many people who do this work. We sort of have different sort of prisms for looking at the same thing. But yeah, for me, that's very resonant, that idea. If you want to think about the relationship, if you want to think about the pattern. And for me, a lot of it's also like, where do you want to put the focus? So like, you know, I think a really common thing I see that happens, I have people in my classes come in and bring conversations that don't go well. And one of the very, very common things we have is people don't talk about the pattern in the relationship when that's what really matters. Yeah. So so there's someone who comes late all the time and, and it's really frustrating to you and it's straining on the relationship and it makes you feel disrespected and angry. And they show up late and what you say is, hey, the meeting started at nine. And so you don't even say you're late. You know. But even more importantly, what you don't say is the fact that they showed up today late for the meeting isn't really what the conversation is. Right. The conversation's about the pattern, about both the pattern, about the relationship. Yeah. And so one mistake, when you're thinking about mistakes that people make, one mistake that people make, I think, very often, is they talk about they have the wrong conversation and the thing they're talking about is smaller than what they yeah. really care about. So a lot of what I ask people to do, the way I put that thing to you is I ask people to sort of zoom out and sort of say life at once. What's the thing, like, is there actually a bigger thing that you need to be talking about? And very often that's what it is. you say, you know, you know, you know, it, the problem isn't the way your boss is micromanaging you on this particular issue right now. The problem is that your boss has been micromanaging you for six months. You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's the problem. And if you talk about the smaller thing, you're going to have a conversation that's crazy because your boss says, hey, why don't you make that thing red and not blue? And what you do is you push back. You say, yeah. No, 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 I want to make it blue. And your boss is like, God damn it. And your boss is like, great, right, right? And you're like, your boss is like, why do you care so much about red versus blue? Just make it red. And you're like, I want to make blue. And you're having a stupid conversation about red and yeah. blue. Whereas if you can say to your boss, hey, I want to talk to you about how we, how we work together. Mm. And there are some things that are challenging for me. And, you know, like, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things you have to do to that. But to be able to have a conversation about that bigger pattern, that's the conversation you're done in. So I think one mistake people make is they have the wrong conversation. It's, it's too small. It's too small of a conversation. Yeah, the other, the other thing. So yeah, no. Well,
1: she's wanting to ask around that because this is such good guidance, and you yeah, know, I'm I'm violently agreeing here on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, yeah, how do you help people to have the courage to have a conversation like this? Because I can bet, because I'm thinking it myself, so I'm just going to assume it's true for the universe. Yeah, rookie mistake. <laughs> exactly what we talked about at the start of the call, but. So there's a bunch of people who I'm, I suspect are going, well, that sounds ideal, Misha, but have you met my boss? <laughs> I was like, how am I ever going to have that conversation with that person? Sure. And there is a place where you're like, actually, it's an act of courage to do this. Yeah. How do you help fuel that courage?
0: I think there's a, there's a bunch of different ways, and it really depends on the situation. I mean, the the sort of most mundane, mundane answer really is just practice. Mm. But, and, I think, and I think for courage, I think the one thing that I do think is that I think that all of us as humans, we have this like spectacular ability to, um, in our sort of discounting function, we will we will avoid any amount of near term pain for any amount of long term benefit. We're just built mm-hmm. in way. And then we tell ourselves stories to support that, right? To reduce the cognitive dissonance. We don't want to say like, we don't say that. We tell ourselves a story to make sense of it. And I think one version of that story that really makes sense is very, very often, you know, I'll talk to someone else, people in my class, they like, oh, you know, there's this conversation, there's this pattern that's been on my I work for two years. for a year, for tears, years, has been driving me absolutely crazy and makes my life miserable. Yeah. I say, well, why don't you talk to your boss about it? He said, I don't know. That sounds terrible. I'm like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. I don't know. It's like, is your boss going to fire you? They're like, no, my boss wouldn't really fire me. For bringing this up. Well, what could happen? Well, it could be a little awkward. Okay. Yeah. What's the, what's the consequence if you don't raise it? Your job will be terrible. For years and years <laughs> but as humans, we we sort of tell ourselves like, oh, I don't know, this risk is too enormous. So, so, so part of it is just to sort of calibrate that, you know, it's just like behavioral economics, you know, Kahneman and Tversky stuff. It's like calibrate your like the story you're telling yourself, where you mm-hmm. where you're sort of overvaluing this narrative. So, partly I think the conversation part is hard as, hard. And one thing one thing I encourage people to do is actually keep a log. Like, say, you know, before you have these conversations, that you think they're going to be really hard, you know. How badly do you think it's going to go? And I think for most of us, the conversations they don't always go better than you think, but more often than not, for most of us, they go. The other thing, the other thing too, for us to that I think is really important in ongoing relationships, um, is that I I think this is is, is a, and again, I think this is sort of what almost all this, all of this comes, down on, is, comes down to is that so much of this is like don't make it all your problem, like make right. make it collaborative. So even the fact that if you and your if you're scared to raise things with your boss. That's a problem between you and you and your boss. That's not yeah. a problem for you. So if you just sort of work on your courage, you're kind of doing the opposite of what I advise people to do, which is you're trying to solve a problem privately on your own. That's actually a shared problem. Right. So what in fact you want to do is try to work on so the really big picture conversation isn't even the fact that your boss micromanages. So if your boss, your boss says red, not blue, and there's a pattern of micromanaging and you can't talk to your boss about it, the biggest issue is you want to be more comfortable talking to your boss so about patterns in your relationship not Right. Now, one thing I want to say is that people are like, "Oh, my boss is a monster." My boss is a monster. I'm gonna say, I don't know how many real monster bosses out there, but I'm guessing a ninety, at least, you know, a very huge percentage of bosses. If you say that, just say them, hey, listen, how, if there are things in how we get, I mean, if there are issues in how we get along, that um, that we could talk about, that might make me a more effective employee. Would you like to hear about them? Very <laughs> few bosses are going to say no to that question, right? Very few bosses to be like, "No, I don't want you to raise problems with T Yeah. Like, yeah, in practice some might not be good at it, whatever, but no one's gonna say no. Just so if you literally ask them for a question and they say yes, now you have your their permission.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And then you go to them two weeks later and say, hey, remember a couple of weeks ago and you said you want to be to let me know if there was a problem? Well, there's no want to talk to you.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you feel nervous about it, you can make that part of the conversation. Too, you you've got to solve that to yourself. You can say, hey, listen, one thing I want you to know, I'd like to be able to raise issues with you, and I want you to know it. Sometimes I feel nervous about
1: it. right.
0: And again, I think most bosses would say, Oh, no, I want to make you more comfortable." Your bosses who are kind of jerks, you know, it's not all of no. them, a lot So making it, so getting their permission to talk, I think, makes it a lot, puts it less
1: And there's just something that it's taken me forever to learn, but I'm, I'm getting there. Is the more you do it, the less weird it is. Yeah, you know, the, and so just to recognize the first time you disrupt a pattern of not talking about it, and you go, "Could we talk about it?" Yeah. The boss is like, "Okay, what what podcast did you go on? Wait, did you go on that?" And he said, "Blue a Of course, that's terrible. <laughs> so the first time it happens, it's weird, and it's um, there's a moment there to go. Um, I think just giving permission for it not to work that well the first time, and just going, "It might not work that well the first time." Okay, and that doesn't mean it's not the right thing to do. It just means that you've created a little bit of shock to the system, yep, the system, the boss and you, you all go, what just happened here? Oh, yeah, um but but if you go the first time is the is the ice breaking time and the second time, it's a little easier uh, you know, I'll, I'll just say this one of the one of the patterns that I've introduced with Shannon, who's the CEO at Box of Crayons now, in an attempt to unweird the difficult conversation is at the end of every meeting that we have we kind of formally ask the question what needs to be said that hasn't been said oh, that's amazing and it's it's yeah most of the time it's nothing because we're bright and so far you know she's awesome and i haven't screwed up too badly so we're but it keeps giving us permission yeah. to 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 bring in the stuff that's a little delicate and it's a little in, unformed and I'm not quite sure how to say it. Um, and, um, the more we've done it, the less frightening that, that question has been to ask you of it, of each other. Yeah. That's amazing. That's great. Richard, this has been wonderful. Thank you. I know we, 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 barely touched on all you know, um, about how to talk to people about things. Um, for the people who are like, I, I need to find this book, I need
0: to find out more about Misha, where would you direct them? Uh, probably the best place to find me is on my website. Uh, if you Google Misha Globerman, uh, and you can probably spell it just right anyway, and Google will auto will autocorrect <laughs> it and figure it out. Don't even try to spell it right. You can Google Misha Globerman, or you can probably Google how to talk to people about things. If you put it in quotes, it might find me. Uh, but I'm around. I've got a website. I have an email list. I offer classes. I've mostly offered them locally in Toronto, but I suspect that very soon might stop. Stop. Start offering them online. So, uh, so yeah, and you can take courses online with me too. I also do all sorts of work, uh, not just teaching individual courses, but working with organizations, helping
1: students get better at this sort of stuff. Indeed,
0: Misha, you're awesome. Thank you. This has been well. So what a great pleasure to be on your show, Michael. I'm really excited about it. We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to MBS.Works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's MBS.Works.